I saw this movie called The Witch on Friday night. I have to confess it was not an especially good movie. Um, but it did give me some inspiration for this sermon. The story of the witch follows a 17th century family of Puritans who had left the village they lived in because they believed the village was not religious enough. So they go off near the woods, and they decide to try and make it on their own. Now there are struggles at first. Their crops do not grow, and their animals get sick. And after that is when the actual bad stuff happens, when the witch comes out. Again, not a very good movie. But all along, there is this constant challenge of faith in this family with the belief that God is causing their suffering for some unknown fault, despite their incredible Calvinist piety and superstition. Now, this was a common understanding of the working of God in that time, and it is still, today, a common understanding of how God works. Now, I empathize with it, but I cannot agree with this mentality. When it comes to suffering, Christians are no different from other people. Some of us do great things, some of us do awful things, but the vast majority are in between. There are sinners like you and me just trying to get by in this life. And while we confess to the name of Christ and believe that the gospel is the true witness of God's work in the world, we do not get preferential treatment from God in this life solely because we call ourselves Christian. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Good Christian people suffer every single day, while folks who live by no moral code, who have no concern of divine consequence, while they prosper. Ask me to explain it? I cannot. God has given us the tools to steward God's creation, and this is the world that we have built for ourselves. We just simply have to find a way how to live in it. Yet the lure of cause and effect theology is always there in front of us. And I will admit that there are times when I have found it too tempting to ignore. I have sometimes thought to myself that God was punishing me specifically for a particular sin that I had committed. And, you know, maybe God was. His ways are not my ways. But I find these beliefs to be more rooted in the selfishness and superstition of humanity than any kind of reality. Lent should serve to untether us from the understanding that we are at the center of God's universe and instead remind us to make God the center of our own. And I think the key to working towards this is repentance, to be truly contrite for the sins that we have committed and to ask God for forgiveness when there is nothing else left to offer. Jesus touches on this theme in today's gospel. Some want to suggest that because the Gentiles are Gentiles, that is, non-Jewish people, their respective suffering was worse than any other kind of suffering. But as is his want, Jesus turns this understanding on its head. He asks his followers, did the Gentiles suffer just because they were Gentiles? No, they suffer because all sorts of people suffer. Jesus then goes on to give another example. Those who died in a tower did not die because they were of a certain ethnic race or religion. Now, if I were to paraphrase this for today, I would say this. 
The Christians who have died on the street these last few weeks because they were homeless and we were too hard-hearted to help, they did not die because they were Christian. Summarily, those Muslims who perished last month from a suicide bombing in Damascus, Syria, did not die because they were Muslims. Bad things happen to good people, and good people are not defined by their faith alone. So what does this mean for us, we the living, who are of relative means and resources, who have a good life but will someday pass from this life into eternal life? Should we just give up and observe a God who can squash us like a bug at any time? I think that's a very depressing way to look at life and God. Does that mean we should cower in fear until we die? And I don't believe that. I've preached this before. Your life is yours to live, and you should enjoy your life until you pass. So what? I think Jesus is talking about two things. The things we cannot control, such as the pain we feel and when we die. And the thing we can control, namely how we repent towards God. We are all going to die. There's nothing we can do to stop that. And as people of faith, we hold firm to the promise of a life beyond this one. And as we, as we read in Isaiah, we confess to a God who always keeps God's promises. But until that glorious day of eternal life, the great getting up morning, as some would say, we do have to be honest of what we can control. And that is our behavior towards God, and that begins with repentance. In order to understand the promises of God, we must first be truly sorry and humbly repent. Now, I know how I'm making this sound. I read through the sermon several times, but I cannot emphasize this enough. Repentance is not guilt. Guilt is something that makes us feel sorry for ourselves because we did a bad thing or are associated with a bad thing. Repentance is something that makes us confess to God that we are not good enough. And that sounds bad, but I do not believe that it is. I think there's a beauty in being able to repent towards God. Jesus is teaching us today that there is holiness in repentance. That we are called to live a life of repentance. That the Gentile and the Siloamon must repent, no matter what their respective creed is. This is a journey. It's not a plateau. And in repentance, there is forgiveness. God forgives us of our many sins and reminds us of the promise we have in Christ who bore the sin of the world. This is the lifestyle of baptism. It's not the, I've done something awful and I have to repent or God's going to send me to hell. No, nothing like that. It's more like I'm not good enough and I can bring this to God with a penitent heart. And God will forgive me because God loves me very much. That's what separates you as a Christian. It's not your struggles, because everyone's struggle is unique. It's the understanding that you do not glorify God in your best moments. You glorify God when you acknowledge and seek pardon for your worst. For when we are at our weakness, that is when God is at God's strongest for us. Not because we are of a certain race or denomination or ethnicity, but because we are God's baptized, beloved children. We hurt the same as everyone else, but the difference is that we do not turn our, to ourselves to figure out what we did wrong. We turn to God, 
who always forgives, and as we learn in Isaiah, who always keeps the promises made. We are not unique in our suffering. We are unique in our baptism. As we repent and receive forgiveness, may we always feel God close to us. Amen.